And a very good morning to each and every one. Welcome to all and those who are joining us virtually. Our opening song this morning is entitled, How Majestic Is Your Name? A little music lesson. The Italians are instrumental in a lot of our music. And if you'll see above the word O, a letter F, which stands for fortissimo, which means loud. The next line down, where above the O, you see a P. That stands for pianissimo, which means soft. Very much like if you yodeled across the canyon, the answer you would get back would be softer. So the first line is loud, the second line is soft, and the rest of it is loud. Oh Lord, you to look and read the list of people who have prayer requests and be sure that in your daily prayers that you remember them because God can help God can heal and they need God's hand will you pray with me please oh Lord how majestic is your name most Holy Father, we humbly approach your throne. We thank you for this Lord's Day, Father. We thank you for all the blessings that you bestow upon us. Father, we thank you for your Son. Our prayer, Father, is that we always appreciate that all that we have comes from you, and we pray, Father, that we begin our prayers with thanks, as we should, for our health, for our families, for our church, for our friends, and for our life itself. Father, we ask you to watch over this church. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the leadership here. 
Father, we pray that you will continue to bless this church as you have. And Father, we ask that you would bless our nation, a nation that far too frequently turns its back on you, Father, but you have blessed it in the past, and we ask that you look down and try and send this nation and its leaders in the proper direction. Father, the world is always a troubled place, and at, at this time, the occurrences in your, Ukraine, the horrific, tra the horrific tragedies, we pray, Father, that there might be peace. And we pray, Father, for those people who are suffering in the Ukraine, that you might watch over them, that you might help them. Father, we do pray for the leaders of this great nation, and we pray that in some way that they might make their decisions based on what you would deem best for this nation and not necessarily what they deem best. Father, be with us today as we worship. Help us to cast aside the world, to focus on the hymns that we sing, the prayers that we offer, the sermons that we hear, and certainly, Father, for our participation at the Lord's table. We ask, Father, that you keep us safe, that you nurture us, and that you forgive us for our many sins. This prayer we ask in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Our next song will help prepare our hearts and minds for partaking of the Lord's Supper. By Christ Shall we pray? Our God and our Father, we're, we're thankful for this beautiful day. We're thankful for this quiet place that we have, that we can come here and all in one like mind, reflecting upon the death of Christ. We're, we're thankful, Father, that, that you were willing to, to give up your son, that, that we might have the forgiveness of sins. We're thankful for the body that he was willing to, to let, have, let die on the cross. We know that they did not take him, but he surrendered himself. We ask you now as, as we take of this loaf 
that represents that body, that we do so in a pleasing and acceptable manner. In his name we pray. Amen. Shall we pray? Continuing in thanks, Father, we're thankful for the blood. We're thankful for the power that's in the blood that was able to, that it's still able to forgive us of our sins. We're thankful for Jesus that, that he was willing to have his blood shed, that, that, that we might have a forgiveness of sins and we might have a, a hope of seeing you someday. As we partake of this fruit of the vine, we pray once again that we do so in a manner pleasing unto you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for the many gifts you have given us in our lives, and we may we give back a portion of those gifts to use for the build of your kingdom. In Christ's name, Amen. Good morning. I'll be reading Matthew 11:28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This time, children second grade and younger may be dismissed. The song before our lesson is Awesome God. If it's convenient, shall we stand? Okay, we've come to our last sermon in the series of spiritual warfare, and I'm really excited about this because I think um, I think that 
this is an opportunity to see it all come together and really think about all of it at once, okay? But today we're going to specifically be focusing on hope and peace. Hope and peace. Isn't it nice when you have peace in your life? Isn't it nice that you have a hope that does not disappoint no matter what you're going through in life? How do we get there is really where we're at. But to get there, we got to start from the beginning, right? The first sermon in this series was the battle belongs to the Lord. See, until we really understand that over 2,000 years ago, the battle was won. We partake in a battle today over ourselves and over our friends and over our family and over our community. But the battle for salvation, the battle over sin and death, the battle over evil was won. It's already won. It's already won, right? So because of that, we have to trust the plan that God has for us, right? He's already won the victory, but he still calls us to works, right? God has actually prepared works for us, right? And we talked about during this lesson, we talked about how God is actually preparing you now through the things you're going through in life for the works that he actually has prepared before you. So by the time you get there, are you prepared? Yes, you're ready for exactly what God made you for. Right? Esther, for such a time as this. Okay? And then, once we trust the plan, once we understand we have victory, then we know that we need to wait on the Lord and be led by God. Not taking a step unless we feel called by God to do that. Why? Because most importantly, we are standing firm in the space that God has given us. Not, not going outside of what God has given us. Just standing firm, guarding, holding down what God has given us. Once you do all that, you can get to a place where your life has hope and peace. Now, I want to spend almost the entire time in Hebrews 4. So if you have your Bibles and you want to flip somewhere, Hebrews 4 is a good place to go to. We're going to be going through a nice little chunk of Hebrews 4 because I think this says so much about our lives today and the rest that we can have in Jesus Christ, okay? So we're going to get right into it. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Now, I want to stop right there, and I want you to see how important this whole situation is before we get any further into it, okay? When your peace is distorted, when your rest is taken from you, when you begin to lose hope, right? When it seems that you are failing, you got to be really honest with yourself. Listen, this is probably one of the most important parts of your Christian walk, of your journey in life, is being on guard of yourself. And when you're being led astray, because here's the truth. We're all going to go through times. We've already talked about this. Seasons, right? Seasons come and go. There's summers, there's springs, there's falls, and there's winters, right? In the same way in our spiritual walk, there are good times and there are bad times. There are mediocre times and there are lame times, right? There are times of confusion. There are times of doubt. There are times of struggle. This is part of our spiritual journey. So when it seems like we are failing, we have to be on guard. We got to be ready for this, right? Lest 
let, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united. They were not united by faith with those who listened. So right now in Hebrews 4, you see this breakdown. You see that there was this good news that was preached, right? And some listened, but the majority didn't. Does that sound like any other scriptures you know? What about the narrow and wide gate? For we have believed, for we who have believed, enter that rest. Now this is interesting. Look how... Look how the Hebrew writer flips this moment, right? He's talking about people who have entered the rest. And this is how he proves that some have entered the rest. Check it out. He says, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So some will enter the rest because there are some that won't. You see how he did that? Now, now let, let him define that for you. Although his works, oh, this is going to get deep, you guys. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. What? For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested. Y'all remember that? And on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. So there's going to come a time where you won't have to work anymore. And it's not called retirement. Because everybody knows you might not have a job anymore, but there's still a lot of work that comes with life in there. The older you get, life doesn't get any easier. Just living becomes harder, right? Again, he goes back to this. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of what? Disobedience. And this is what he says again. Look at this. Again, he appoints a certain day. Today. Today. Saying through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice... And here's the key. Do not harden your hearts. You see, this is what I'm saying. There are going to be times in our life where God calls us out. How does God call us out? He calls us out by disturbing our rest. He calls us out by disturbing our peace. He calls us out by bringing our hope in doubt in ourselves, right? We're looking at our life and we're saying to ourselves, how can God forgive me? How can God still love me? How do I still have, why is my peace and my rest not in my life? Now let me explain something to you real quick because this is so, so important. Because I think a lot of us, as we get further and further in our journey, right? And we struggle less and less with sin and that's not necessarily accurate, right? But we struggle with less destructive sin. I think we get so used to rest, we forget how unrestful it is to live in sin. I think we get so used to peace, 
We forget how unpeaceful it is to be disobedient. You see, the reality is, for those of us who love the Lord, every time we step out of that space that God has given us to stand firm in, we get uncomfortable. Our soul gets uncomfortable. We know what we're playing with. We know what we're risking. Okay? That is part of the mechanism of spiritual warfare. That is literally God, the Holy Spirit, all right, that lives inside of you, shaking you up to get you back on track. Now, there are times where we listen and there are times where we allow our heart to be hardened and we don't listen. There are times when we're obedient and there are times when we are disobedient. But are we being honest with ourselves? Are we being true to our own hearts? But more importantly, are we being true to the way that we can develop the heart of God. See how he says today? See how he makes reference to it and then quotes it? That's today. You know that, right? That's a today that was spoken of long ago, but that today is every day. That today is yesterday, that today is today, and that today will be Tomorrow, because at some point in your life, you're going to step out of that circle. You're going to step out of that space that God has given you to stand firm in. And sometimes it's going to be because God has pushed you. God has called you. God is leading you through his spirit, right, to new space. In those times, you're going to be successful. In those times, you're going to be at peace. In those times, you're going to be at rest. Even if the circumstances are crazy around you. Maybe not immediately, but it won't take long. Trust God. We stand on a firm foundation. We are not tossed by the waves of this world because we stand on the rock that keeps us out of the storm. The only time you find yourself in storm is when you put yourself there. Now, what do I mean by that? There's a lot of different reasons why we get in the storm, right? There's a lot of different reasons why our life gets hectic. There's a lot of different reasons why we doubt, right? And, and some, some of you might be saying, you know, and, and this is heavy on my heart right now. What about health? What did I do, do to deserve bad health? That's not what I'm saying. Health is something we all deal with, right? But how we deal with it is what creates the storm around us. When you're going through trials in your health, do you trust God? No matter what, come what may, do you trust God? Or does it cause you to doubt? Does it cause you to worry? Does it cause you to stress over things that honestly we can't control? Right? And you, and you can go through the list. I picked that one because I think that's the one that people will naturally go to and say, you know, there's nothing I did to deserve this. You're right. There's nothing you did to deserve this. This is just part of life. This is part of the trial of life. 
But you know, God is a father, right? Hebrews talks about this a little bit later. And there are going to be times where we do step out on our own. And it's going to shake us. You know why God doesn't want sin in your life? Because sin destroys your life. Not just your spiritual life. Sin can destroy your physical life. Corruption can change your world. Not for the better. Might feel like better at the beginning. You might be getting away with some things, making a little bit more money, whatever that comes to. But corruption eventually catches up and it doesn't make your life better. Because sin doesn't just destroy your soul. Sin can destroy your life here. And your God is a father. He's not just a king that sits on his throne and rules with no care for the peasants. He's your father, right? This church is your family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ who answer to the same father. And Hebrew, the Hebrew writer later on will tell you that if a father loves his child, at times when the child steps out of place, what's he going to do? He's going to discipline him. Part of the way he disciplines us is he takes our rest away from us. He takes our peace away from us. He takes our hope and puts it in doubt. Why? To bring you back. You know, they, they asked Jesus at one point in time in his life, they said, you know, how many times do you forgive somebody who's sinned against you? Y'all remember that? What did he say? 70 times 7, right? So you add that up, what you get? After 490 times, I'm not forgiving you no more. Is that what God meant? Literally go put it on a chalkboard, make sure you don't go over 490. You go over four, fool me 490 times, shame on me. Fool me 491, shame on you. Is that what he meant? No, what do you mean? He meant every time, right? Why? Because that's exactly the way God forgives you. God doesn't want your sin to rule you with shame. You understand? God doesn't want every time you sin for you to feel like, is he going to forgive me this time? Have I went too far? Have I hit that 491? There is no 491. The process that we go through of guilt is to lead to repentance to get us back on track. Why? So we can do the work that he's prepared before us. Look at this part. For if Joshua, you remember what I told you guys about the name Joshua? It's also Jesus. Did you know that? Jesus, Joshua, same name. Yeshua, same name, right? Check this out. For if Joshua had given them rest, how did, what did Joshua do? What was Joshua's major accomplishment? He led Israel to the promised land. That's what he did. He led Israel into the promised land, right? He slayed a whole bunch of giants. They divided up the land, and then they set up the tribes and said, all right, you go do this, you go do this, you go do this. 
This is your job, right? You got to go clear out. You got to do the word of the Lord in your own life, in your own tribe, right? You remember that? Most of them didn't. Remember that? At least not all the way to the letter. But he led them to the promised land. They owned it for a while, right? There was a united kingdom of three kings. Didn't last very long. Divided kingdom. Lasted a little bit longer. For if Joshua had given them rest, did they have rest? Did Israel have rest while they owned Israel? Does Israel have rest right now while they own Israel? Has Israel ever had rest since they've owned Israel? Isn't that interesting? For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. What's that other day later on? When the other Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus Christ, right? When he comes, right? So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. You see how that seventh day comes back into play, right? On the seventh day, God rested from the foundations of the world, according to the Hebrew writer, right? By the seventh day, God was done with his work. It was already all set into place. It was already all put into motion. There wasn't nothing left to do. Hmm? So when did Satan get defeated? When did sin get defeated? In our time? 2,000 years ago. In God's time? Before the seventh day. Sounding weird yet? So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, right? The Sabbath, what was that to commemorate? Well, it was to commemorate the day of the Lord. It was to commemorate the day that God rested, right? It was to commemorate and to remember, just like we have the Lord's Supper, right? The Passover, everything that God had done for God's people. And they were supposed to rest in that. You see, now you're starting to see why, at least for me, this table is so important, not the table itself. What is done here in this moment? This isn't something that Jesus established. He established a new version of the old thing, right? Because he became the lamb. And there is so much in scripture. I, I challenge you, I'm going to do a sermon soon just focusing on communion, because I challenge you to see how deep the Lord's Supper is talked about in Scripture in the New Testament. Because I think a lot of times we come in and our, our, our brain goes to other places and we get distracted and we don't take this moment serious and sometimes we just blow right through it, right? And it just happened and... It's one of the most important things we do every Sunday. That's why we do it every Sunday. That's why we won't sacrifice doing it every Sunday. For whoever entered God's rest, verse 10, 
has also rested from his works as God did from his. So there's a Sabbath rest for all who believe and do the work of the Lord. There is a Sabbath rest that is coming. Why do I say it's coming? We're going to get into that in a minute. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Let us therefore now strive. Does that sound like rest? If you're striving for something, are you at rest? No, you're working towards something, right? Striving usually means to work with zeal, right? To work hard, to be focused on something you are trying to achieve. That's striving. Striving isn't just kind of floating along and maybe you'll bump into it. Right? So, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of what? Disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. You see, that's why we got to be on guard. That's why we got to stay focused. And that's why when we get uncomfortable, when our rest is disturbed, when our peace is disturbed, when our hope becomes in doubt in our inner being, listen, you have been laid before God. There is nothing hiding from him. Not only does he see what you do, and maybe actually the best part is, he knows why you're doing it. You know, not every mistake you've ever made in your life has just been because you were rebellious. Because you were angry at God. Because you didn't want to hear God's truth. Not every sin you've ever done in your life was because of that. Some of the sin that you've done in your life was situational. It was because of the situation you were put in. It was because of the test that you were being tested by through God. Through His will. Some of the times you failed was because you needed to. Why is that? Because we don't live in a perfect world. And we are imperfect people. And sometimes it takes making the wrong choice to understand why the right choice is right. You see, because when I step out of the space that God has given me to stand firm in, it becomes uncomfortable. Why? Because what I am seeking, I actually don't receive. That's why I'm not at peace. That's why I'm not at rest. Because I thought what I needed or what I was going to be fulfilled by was not fulfilling at all. In the word of God, you know, we've been talking a lot through this about how we have to be as a people of God in the word of God. We have to be. I hope if you got nothing else from that big sermon series I did where we went through a big chunk of the history of the Old Testament. I hope if nothing else you got that Israel forgot about the word of God. And that's why they fell. That's why they fell. They stopped reading it. They lost it. They stopped doing the Passover. They forgot how to do it. 
They forgot all about it. And because of that, they became disobedient. Which is why, when you get to that place of unrest, understand that you have a father. Not a king. He is your king, right? But not a king that rules the peasants. Not a God who rules from afar. But someone who knows you. Knows why you do what you do. Knows why your struggles are your struggles. Knows why you stepped out of that space to begin with. You know what else he knows? How to get you back in. How does he do that? First and foremost, through the word. Through the word. Listen, how many times in your life have you been convicted to your very core? That's what he's talking about, that inner being, right? To your very core, to the soul of your person. How many times have you been convicted by somebody else who didn't use the word of God or somebody else who did use the word of God? How many times have you been convicted in your own life through just reading the word of God yourself, right? How many times have you been convicted by the preacher from the pulpit? Was it because he's amazing or is it because the word of God is amazing? Why are we playing with it? Look, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how much you read it. I know what the national average is and it ain't good. I hope we're doing better than that. National average is like, not at all. That's why we're forgetting so much about the basics of truth in God's word right now as a country. God's word will convict you. It will keep you in line. It will keep you on a focused mission on that narrow path of righteousness if you let it. I got two take-homes and we're done. The first one I want you to understand, there are two different types of rest. Okay? The first one is rest from an easy yoke and a light burden. The second one is perfect rest. It's Sabbath rest. It's when your work on earth is done. You imagine not having to work to live? You, can you imagine having... All the means necessary to get up every single day and do whatever you want to do? Not have a single obstacle in your way? Think that sounds like a good life? Does that sound anything like your life right now? That is the difference in the rest we have in God today and the rest we will have in God in the future. In eternal life. Everything's going to be provided. Listen, this goes all the way back to the original sin of mankind. You realize that, right? Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. Were they, did they have to work? 
Do you even hear them working? Is there anything in Scripture that indicates they worked? The hardest thing they had to do was walk. Right? That's what they did. They had to walk. Some of y'all, walking is work. Right? The older we get, the more walking becomes work, right? That's the truth of life. But when they sin, God gave curses to man and woman. You remember that? He said to man from now on, in order to produce from the ground, what are you going to have to do? Work and toil. Right? He said to woman, you're going to have pain in your labor. So when I go to work, what am I? I'm a laborer. Think that's a coincidence? That's right. He did. <laughs> he did. Somebody's like, I got to go back and check and make sure he's saying this right. <laughs> right? See, the curse of work has been there from the beginning. It actually wasn't part of the plan. You know why? Because God wanted you to have perfect rest, perfect peace. That's what you started with in the garden, but we failed. And because of that, we have to work in this life, right? The good news is, is when you come to Christ and you take that yoke, remember we talked about that through Ephesians, right? You take that yoke upon you, that yoke is easy. You're still going to have work to do, but it's easy work. Why? Because God is preparing you for the work that he's prepared before you. You can do anything God is asking you to do because through the entire process and journey of your life, he has created you and preparing you for these moments. That's why his yoke is easy. Why is burden light? Because the burden of sin is way heavier than the burden of righteousness. It might feel hard to be perfect. It is. It's impossible. But when you're living in righteousness, right? Your life is way better than when you're living in sin. You have a peace that surpasses understanding. And you have a hope that doesn't disappoint. Right? Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, right? Because sin is heavy. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn. Learn from me. Did Jesus have an easy life? By no means. By no means. He probably worked harder than anybody else who ever lived. When he talked about his own life, what did he say? I don't, I wish I could sleep. You don't think he was ever tired? How did he sleep through a storm where the most seasoned, weathered sailors were sure they were going to die? Jesus is sleeping. You don't think he was tired? Think that was just a God moment? Like God froze him in time, go to sleep. This is going to be really awesome when I'm done with this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You know what lowly in heart is? It's humble. It's a humble stature. Again, he's not lording over us. He understands where we are and who we are and why we do what we do. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I am telling you, I am telling you, 
I've experienced it enough in my life. When I stand firm in what God gives me, I have a hope and a peace that cannot be shaken. And I love my life. Because I know I'm doing what God made me to do. And I can live with that. Come what may. Second, righteous living leads to a life of peace and at peace. Faithful living leads to a life with a living hope. This is the equation for godliness. I want you to understand that. Righteous living leads to a life of peace and at peace. Faithful living leads to a life with a living hope. This is godliness. Whenever you see godliness in the Bible, you think perfection. Godliness is not perfection because we would never be godly if we had to be perfect. Right? But godliness is when we live in righteousness. And the only way we can be righteous, according to the Hebrew writer, keep it in context, right? Is through faith. My faith is credited to me as righteousness, not my acts, my faith, not my works, my faith. But at the same time, faith without works is dead. You know why? Because you won't stop working until you've reached the Sabbath rest. I got two scriptures for you and I'm done. First Timothy four. You put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. That's all I'm trying to be. Being trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrine. So there's some studying of the word of God we have to do for our faith and to make sure we have good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irrelevant, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. That's why godliness is amazing. It's not just helping you in this life. It's preparing you and, crea and creating you to be ready for the next. Okay? As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end, we toil and strive. Right? The two different rests. Because we have our hope set on the living God. Not a dead God. Not a God far away. Not a God that died and never rose. A living God, connected to a living hope, who is the Savior of all people, especially for those who believe. And last one, John 16, i got to do this quick. So behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. He's talking to the disciples, right? He's talking about when he... Uh, crucified. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. You may have peace if you accept it, if you walk by it, if you pick up your cross daily and follow me, you will have peace. In the world, he doesn't say you may have. See that? In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. The battle of spiritual warfare, the victory is already won. 
Your battle, our battle, is an inner battle. A battle to keep yourself on the right path. A battle not to be led astray by the world in all the different ways it tries to take you off the path. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? He is the only way to take part in that victory. Have you been washed in the blood of Christ through baptism? Received the gift of the Holy Spirit, God indwelling in you, God making you uncomfortable when you get off track. More importantly, based on the conversation we've had today, are you being real with yourself in those moments? Or are you hardening your heart? There's only one way through victory, and that's Jesus Christ. There is no other name that can save. There is no other God that is real. Everything else is just a false God. Everything else is just a counterfeit gospel. Many of us in here have already done that in our lives. I pray that we're all examples to one another. I pray that we're all united in faith with one another. I pray that we help each other out and carry each other's burdens when we're down. If there's any reason to respond to the invitation today, you can come as together we stand and sing. Sweetly, Lord, have we Thank you, Matt, and uh, thank you all for joining us here on the orange carpet or on your own orange carpet house or petting an orange cat, as my wife would be right now. Um, thanks for joining us this here this morning, whether it's here to, to worship, to open up your heart, to, to show your love for a God that does give us rest and has a promise for an even better rest, where we don't age, we don't carry the burden of sin, we don't carry the burden of life itself. 
Um, we're thankful for that opportunity. Grab yourself a bulletin. They're out available out front. I think there's a short supply, so maybe not so many right now. Um, anyways, we have bulletins here. So it's also online. It's in our Facebook group. If you need it there. Uh, I know we're going to mail some out too. So grab yourself a bulletin. It's got a whole lot of stuff inside of it. I will tell you, there's a there's a technical error on the back on the calendar. There's not there's not a men's breakfast this Saturday. I, uh, it's the following Saturday on the 16th. So if you typically go, don't show up at Seize Waffles by yourself uh, or drag friends with you, one or the other. So some uh, some other announcements. Um, Lex Pierce was hospitalized earlier this week, we found out. He's home now, but uh, anyways, he was hospitalized this week, so keep uh, Lex and Edith in your prayers. I don't know much more than that. Um, Betty Lerner this week found out that she has invasive ductal breast cancer. Um, we know how serious that is. Um, we also know that she's got a path through that. She's going to see the same doctors that Mitzi did, so uh, we hope for the best. Please pray for uh, the whole family. Um, Charlie and Gail are not here today. Charlie's got a respiratory illness, and Gail continues with uh, cardiac issues, um, as she has for a long time. But please pray for them. That's that's what they need is prayers. And uh, I never, to be honest, I don't even always have the best words, but I know that helps to, for comfort, peace, whatever, all that. Sue Sharp has been in the hospital just about all week, I think. She, uh, she was... We thought originally she was going to have surgery. That still has not happened. She had an endoscopy this morning. Hopefully whatever they find with that endoscopy will lead to a possible surgery correcting the problem. Uh, she had a bowel blockage and a hiatal hernia is what they believe or what my understanding are of it. So please um, pray for the Sharp family. Pat Ortiz had uh, back surgery earlier in the week. Uh, she's doing good. She's got about six weeks recovery is what I hear. So uh, William went and visited her this week. Um, she's doing good, and Donnie's doing good, too, if you're worried about him. So that's a good thing. Beverly on Seal's son, who's in the hospital in Houston, wants to thank all those who have sent him cards. He is truly appreciates each one. And Wanda Bauer, uh, Wanda's brother passed away this week. He, uh, he's uh, had a long illness, and uh, please pray for her comfort and, give, and sympathy with her. Heidi Dietrich, who joins us online, I almost said religiously, but of course, why not, right? Uh, faithfully, let's use that word. Uh, she fell and hurt her leg, and she asked for prayers. So please uh, please include her in your prayers. Uh, two more. Uh, next Sunday, next Sunday, next Sunday. In order to honor the uh, shoemates, Mike and Sue, for the 18-plus years they were here, have been here serving in the capacity of minister and stuff, we're going to have a luncheon to celebrate them. Um, they're going to be... Uh, the church is going to supply pasta caraba and Mike's favorite, chicken marsala. Um, they're going to have that. So bring salads, bring desserts to complement that. So if you want to find out their desserts, favorites, ask them. Ask them. I don't know. Ice cream may or may not be part of that. But anyways, ask them. So plan on staying. Next Sunday after services, we're going to have lunch in the honor them. So uh, that'll be a good time. Communion duty. Um, Looking for a way to serve, and you got half hour or so in a week, help prep you. Communion. It's not a, not a hard job. We fill little bottles of grape juice. Got the little crackers are already broken apart. Put those in the Ziploc bags, about 150 a week or something. Takes about, I know I've helped. Takes about a half hour. Hour? Hour. All right, we'll bump it up an hour. Okay. So um, it's, it's an easy service, quite honestly. 
Um, it doesn't have to be done 10 minutes before worship. It can be done, you know, on your own schedule. We put it in the fridge, there it is. That's one of the first things I did here was uh, help relieve a lady who was doing that. I helped fill the little cups and stuff. And uh, see, if you do, see Susan White, see Wanda Fitzgerald. Um, it's a great place to serve. So consider that. I think, nope, oh, I got one more. Dennis Torres, our uh, missionary in uh, Nicaragua. Uh, the Torreses are getting ready to have a, a, a baby. Uh, there's a big card in the foyer out there. It looks like a science fair thing, but it's a big card. Sign it. Uh, Mike's going to take a picture of it and, and send it to him. He's not going to try to mail this big card to him. Send a, you know, sign it. Wish him the best with the new baby and everything. Um, also, if you're interested in making a donation to help them out, he'll take that too. So, anyways, that's it. Tonight, Matt's going to speak again. He's going to start, speak on Ephesians chapter 3 this evening. And Matt will be uh, doing the auditorium class on Wednesdays from here on out. So whether you join us here in the auditorium or if you join us online at home, um, for the time being, we will not be hosting a junior-senior high class in the fellowship room. Uh, hopefully we can get the right servant to do that. So if you typically come to that class, take the steps and come this way. You can park out front. It's even closer. So whatever. So then join us there. And next Sunday, Chuck White will be speaking next Sunday. So please join us there. Stay healthy, stay faithful, keep working, right? But enjoy the rest. Shall we stand for our closing song? Mm -hmm. Each step I take, my Savior goes before me.
Lord, we are so thankful for everything that, that you've given us, Lord. The blessings that you've given us are just immeasurable, uncountable. Lord, we thank you that we were able to come here today to sing songs of worship to you, to learn more about your word, to be in communion with each other, and to just be in each other's presence. Lord, please be with those that need you at this time, those that are dealing with physical issues. Lord, please be with Betty Larner and her cancer concerns. Just be with the Larner family and the Robinson family, as that's been a difficult couple years for them, and give them the strength to to push through this and and the peace that only you can give, Lord. Lord, please be with Sue Sharp and her potential upcoming surgery. And we thank you for the the outcome of Pat's surgery. Lord, please go with us the rest of this week and help us to show Jesus' love to, to all that we encounter. Help us to take that narrow path that is not always easy. Lord, we thank you for your son that through his sacrifice has washed our sins away and given us a chance to be with you in heaven one day. And it's his name we pray. Amen.